0: welcome to true north project this is christian today i have a conversation with jonathan rogue who is the president of the float tank association the founder and ceo of float light a wellness business specializing in flotation therapy he's also the founder and ceo of wellspring visionary which is a marketing agency that's helping to scale conscious businesses Tune in for a deep dive into topics such as philosophy, curiosity, and their connection to science, the nature of education and consciousness, Gnosticism and understanding the divine, the role and evolution of art in the technological era, integration of AI into immersive experiences, personal growth journeys that we've both been on and different spiritual explorations, um, business development development. Creating immersive wellness experiences, transformational wellness architecture, AI language models as second brains or an extension of our intelligence, and of course, all things floating, as John is the owner of the float center, as am I. Um, if you enjoy this conversation, you can support this podcast by sharing it, giving us five stars, and making sure you're subscribed on you know your platforms of choice so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. That's a great zero-cost way to help us get more epic guests on the show, and it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, like all my dreams of becoming a podcaster when I grow up are coming true. So, hope you enjoy this conversation with Jonathan. Ciao.
1: Good conversation there
0: we're doing it now yeah we're gonna hit the thing we're gonna record now
1: okay you're good bro. <laughs> I <can't. laughs> man i always say it bro just hit record <laughs> yeah you can always cut right, but you ahead, can't
0: bro. you can always cut but you can't add good stuff in um and, and yeah. yeah we used to, when you first started you were talking about your your you know law school or, or starting in law starting law and i'm like this would be a cool story i should hit record and then i'm like well fuck we're kind of just jamming maybe not but no it's okay
1: yeah, no, that's all right. That's but all right. Um let's... so just to be clear, because I don't want anyone to jump on this podcast and be like, yo, John's a lawyer. I did not graduate <laughs> uh from law school. Uh so I am not a lawyer. And uh, you know, a lot of people ask me why I didn't graduate. And it's it is like one of those I guess mind-altering questions, you'll never know. <laughs> well, I mean, why didn't I graduate? I was inspired. Like, I, I needed to build a business. There was a lot of frustration happening at the time with the education system, and I just, I'm like, why? Yeah. And here's the other thing. Like, you know, there is so much more to learn through experience, and that's kind of what our whole conversation led into. I can tell you with absolute certainty that even though I studied religious studies as a minor, I mean, it wasn't my major, but still, Um, and my major, uh, was actually political science if anyone was curious. So like I was on the opposite sides of two spectrums, which is crazy to think about political science too, by the way, isn't necessarily a topic or a school of thought that involves like politics or anything directly. It sometimes does. It really is the study of how to conduct proper statistically probable and relevant Research studies, like literally, how do you write a research paper correctly and not have like logical fallacies and other things? It needs to be a, a peer-reviewed, potential published document, you know. So, anyway, sorry, I well, that sounds tangent. That there. sounds like
0: a valuable skill to have. But so uh, we're gonna put a pin in AI because that's where I hit record because we were about to go down the rabbit hole with AI mm. and I want to come back to it. But before you says that I am not a lawyer, so this is an interesting way to start. What are you?
1: Gosh, um, let me tell you what I think I am. Well, actually, let me tell you what other th- others have told me I am. There you go. Uh, they actually think that I am an because I walked in and I think they thought this for a long time, but they think that I'm like an Android or something because I said and, and I said this before I was like, I'm in the beta stage of my life. And you might know me as a programmer. So they'd be like, what do you mean by beta stage? And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes you can slip from alpha to beta. Um so I'm not like the final build, right? I'm not in the golden release version of my life. So so you know, if you ask me where I am, I'm I'm I am not particularly I, look, I'm not an Android, at least not as far as I know, man. If this is some desk uh 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 Deus ex stuff, going on here then we got some i'm sure that it's going to be on this podcast people will be like yo that dude's definitely an alien or an android but (laughs) but yeah no i feel like i'm you know if i was if i was talking like a programmer man like you know there's different there's different releases you know i'm not i'm i'm like in maybe am i in delta maybe beta i feel like i'm in the beta i really believe i'm in the beta i'm beta testing my life right now
0: So, in programmer speak What's the do you just add numbers or numerals, whatever, like letters like delta, gamma? Do you just keep going mm. until you're at the, like what's the what's the very beginning of the build?
1: you know, yeah. so that's a really good question. I think that, you know, I think there is somebody out there that's like, it's absolutely this school. like this is how you're supposed to do it. I don't really know if there's anything um that really signifies what the start of a build is but if we were to go off like for instance github for instance mm-hmm. um everything is just based on a set series of releases so like if i was to say like and i think that's kind of what you're asking me like what is the first release well programmer i don't really think there's a name for that it's usually just version 1 got it so like there's no there's no there's no title associated with it you or maybe it's version You wouldn't go, this is version 0.01 because we haven't made it to one yet. That would just be an arduous task if you were building something, you know, like to version it out based on the subs, you know, like how would you determine the percentage of the amount of code you just wrote over the last six hours or something? Well, you you could say,
0: you could say that, like, uh, you could say that in biological terms, a human or a a, a zygote, so a fertilized egg, is version like. Under it's like sub version one. It's like point point one or whatever, and then that eventually yeah, yeah, and
1: that it's like it a does. Pre-release. So we do. Actually, we do kind of do that in programming. So it's usually like if you were to say what's the first one, it would be like it would usually be version zero dot one. Got it. Dot zero. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Because, but but you know, but the the point is, is that it's still version one. Yeah. Like in my, you know what I'm saying? It's like. like What do you what do you want? I guess you could say that this is we didn't do our best today, so we should keep going until we're at the better version. Because we have to stop somewhere, so people can technically test the thing, and then go through some more analysis. But you know, this is still valid. This is a good metaphor for life, dude. Because I'm I'm serious. Let me tell you, even do this with graphic design too. Like I'll never throw away an old design. Instead, I'll duplicate the design. And I'll keep working on the design. And so if you look at my system hierarchy, uh, both in my brain and on my computer, you would find multiple versions of these documents that have just slowly evolved because I just can't. Sometimes I just love the way it turned out, but I know it's version one. So I'll legit create a version two. I won't just save over the document. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's smart. Um From
0: from a design perspective, it's smart because you're seeing what you're seeing is like a living evolution of the idea, and uh, there's something really dope about that. Um, It and it's something also liberating because you have a copy, so you can keep going and you can keep exploring, and you don't lose, you know, previous work if you decide to revert back to the old version. But so here's the
1: and that there is that benefit too. Obviously, there's like that inherent. So let's ground this having a backup, right?
0: Let's ground this metaphor down to. To human life, human speak. So uh yeah. let's say like and I'll, I'll I'm I'm curious about like I really like the frame by the way of like a, I'm in the beta of my life because I feel I feel very similar. Um I feel like I'm just actually getting close to potentially a new version, like a new build. It's been building for a while, but it's not released yet. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, no, and so you, bro? but but the like the release is coming in some way. Um, anyways, so I think about like pre-birth as kind of like a pre-release of version one version one's like you're a kid you're curious you're fucking like wow life everything's like novel (laughs) it's, it's wild and you're just like lit the fuck up and then like uh somehow the environment devolves version one into like a worse build and you get like a you get like a sad set of circumstances most of the time i think with kids where they kind of End up in an ego build, a new version that's, uh, in some ways, it's more adaptive for sure because you have to adapt to your society that you're born in. But in lots of ways, it's de- it's it's a worse build. It's devolved in a sense because, like for example, you kind of have to stop. Like if you want to really be well adjusted to a society, um and accepted, and like move up the ranks and all the things in the social hier- hierarchy then you kind of have to like compromise in some ways. For example, if you want to be good at school, um, you might actually uh, get better at, you know, doing what's expected of you, testing well, that kind of thing and stop following the curiosity, right? Because curiosity isn't necessarily the highest priority in the stack in school Um, and and not in every school, but like say most generalized education systems. So I see, you know, human development at least in our society as this weird thing where you start out kind of like in a pretty great fucking build and then it sort of gets devolved in a way because you you have to adapt to an environment right and then you get like all the
1: toxins yeah. from the
0: food big food big pharma man. big chemicals all the And i gotta tell you i
1: gotta tell you man like i'm in this like health kick in my life where like now i feel like everything's trying to kill me yeah um You know, like, like, uh, forever chemicals, you know? Yeah. I'm serious. Like it's crazy that I don't know. So, so there's this documentary I watched yesterday. It's called what the health (laughs) dude, it will terrify you, dude. I will never touch ever touch bacon again. it's it's evil like don't don't eat bacon you know like uh and i'm i'm on a keto diet like you know uh and hard to get other fats hard to get the fats without animal products
0: right right unless you're eating a lot of just coconut and avocado you know
1: (laughs) yeah but oh yeah she so ghee too that was the other one bulletproof coffee
0: yeah dude i've been on this for a long time i've been doing bulletproof coffee for like over 10 years um that's amazing, bro. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm a big fan of healthy fats, uh, and the cognitive, you know, zing you get from a good, well crafted, well, you know, like my coffee's been through several builds as well. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've arrived I've arrived at like a, like version like nine or something, and it's fucking dial. So so
1: you gotta tell me the because you wanna know the dial so, version. So, my partner and I, we get we get danger coffee, right? So uh this is Dave Asprey. I don't know if you heard of him.
0: I, yeah, he got me on the bulletproof train. Um I I am grateful well, I'll I won't give you my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah, is I that the you guy who invented it right now, but go, okay, go ahead. Okay,
1: so it so, says No, okay, I will listen to your opinion of Dave. I think this will be an insightful conversation, but I just figured out who this guy was, literally, like two weeks ago. Right. So I know you're like, man, you are so far behind, John. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are do they doing? How out do you there not know Wisconsin? who this guy <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is, is like, I, I appreciate diet, but like, dude, when I, I had my mindset, dude, I'm like, dude, I'm on a spiritual journey right now, bro. <laughs> like for real. Yeah. That. That's why you find me out in Las Vegas. I'm traveling all over the place. It's, it's dude, this is yeah. what I needed in my life. seriously. Las Vegas um, is the,
0: is the pilgrimage site of people on a spiritual, spiritual journey. <laughs>
1: It's usually i would imagine so yeah that makes yeah. sense it's where you go you for the area 15 it's, or it's where you, you go end for up the at burning man or something yeah it's where you go for the dark night of the soul
0: chapter before you actually have your like come back to jesus moment Your come to the light moment yeah
1: everyone goes to vegas but eventually leaves like yeah. yo i'm awakened somehow yeah. even though i just experienced this massive amount of trauma to myself and my soul and my health yeah yeah it's funny yeah yeah
0: so so bulletproof, anyway. bulletproof keto
1: yeah um
0: I lost your I lost your audio.
1: you'll get it back, bro there. Just let me know when you can hear me. I can hear you, yeah, so. Remember, I was telling you about the mixer. Um, I was telling you about some of my setup. Like, I love the pod mic, it's amazing. I like the roadcaster because it does all the compression. That's why I sound so good, right? Because uh, I do a lot of these uh, uh, FTA roundtables, stuff like that. So, I like also good audio. And I did a podcast, a local one called the Floating Night Live for a while, but it keeps disconnecting. And then your audio goes into bit crushing mode. I don't know if you've ever heard of bit crushing waveform. Oh, it's. It's sound all robotic and shit. Bit crushing is like it's like where all of the information's getting scrambled, but you can sort of make it out. Oh shit! So I was speaking, (laughs) I
0: was speaking in tongues, and you weren't getting it quite
1: (laughs) for like for like literally five seconds because I didn't miss too much. I knew we were. So you got to tell me, I was on the spiritual kick. We're talking about Dave Asprey, bulletproof Bulletproof, coffee. Yeah, health yeah. journey,
0: and and what the health, and so basically, you know, everything in the environment is trying to 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 fuck with you, kill foods, us, yeah. The dude. food's pretty toxic. Um, water uh, has these forever chemicals and fluoride and all the things that are actually pretty rough. So you know, you go from kind of a nice bill, sugar-free
1: Red Bull, which I'm not really supposed to drink, but I have to. <laughs> I need energy. Oh my god, I'm getting yelled at. So you go from Mm. you go
0: from like a nice, pure, you know, biology, nice build, um, you know, given, you know, you weren't born with some sort of downstream effects from the environmental catastrophe that we're in, which the new generation, a lot of them are born with a lot of the damage already done. But the point is, is like you're you're uh, you're kind of devolving for a while and then education. You're kind of like in a way, your mental map gets sort of limiting, like the map is pretty small in other words y- y- it's safe to explore i mean i'm speaking from my personal experience which is a little extreme because i grew up in a in a fundamentalist uh society where the maps the territory there is pretty pretty small both geographically and uh cognitively ideologically whatever you want to
1: say like, our friend elliot you know elliot yeah he uh he explained to me uh you know how you grew up and i you know I was just blown. like, I didn't know, bro. Like, so you have, you have one hell of a crazy story. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even hear part of it. So like, but I'm not expecting to, like, I know that you want to have a conversation maybe one day. I, and it's not for me to know unless you tell me so, but it sounds to me just like the little bit I know it's like, Holy shit, man, you've lived quite an ex- experiential well, life. It's, so far. It's
0: not a secret. I've been pretty open. Um, just with this but podcast a- and stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I've been really open with the
0: podcast, um, because I feel like there's a, um, one of the silver linings, um, and first of all, I'm not a victim. And I feel like everything mm-hmm. that's happened, like every obstacle in my life has been for me, not happening to me, but like life is happening through me. And so, really, everything the obstacle is the way. You know what I mean? Like, how else would you get strong if you didn't go through hard shit? You know, there's the only way to get stronger. So, For me, um, the early 20s was when I left the bubble, right? So 20 was when I read a document called the CES letter that popped me out of Mormonism, right? And that was the small map that so the whole world, like if you think about from video games, I like I feel like I can talk to you about these metaphors, which is cool. So it's like if you're in a video game, right? Like you have the map, right? And Let's say you started okay. out playing something like Fable or Skyrim or something. and And the map is the tutorial in version one, right? Like you're in the tutorial. So the map's just like the village you start in, and you're like, fucking figuring out the controls, right? And you're like exploring mm-hmm. like maybe like you're kicking around some chickens or something. There's no real monsters yet. Right. And,
1: and so like, you like a wireframe, like you don't have the textures.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, but you're just, you're in kind of like, you're in the Shire, right? Like you're in, you're in the Hobbit, Hobbiton, you're, there's no real Ah, danger. There's no real danger. and, danger. and, And it's like, you're just sort of like figuring shit out and you've been insulated in this sort of bubble. And then it's not until you get some sort of call to adventure, right? Like a hero's journey where you have to leave the ordinary world and your map expands and you go into the other world or the underworld or wherever you want to call it. And that's where all the, you know, the real trials and tribulations and the dragons are. So, but those trials are in fact, you know, like Joseph Campbell would say the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So it's the actual, you know, the dragon at the caves, you know, he's guarding something important. So for me, leaving uh, say Mormonism was a, uh, super critical bait like it was a shift from version two i guess to like version three you know what i mean like it was if version one was like me as like a little kid version two was me as like a kind of confused less curious kid um kind of like adapted to a culty society and then version three was me like as a rebellious sort of like heretic kid like fucking i'm out you know and figuring out what else is there um, so you kind of go through these progressions, right? As you yeah. and I think I like to think of them as like chapters of a story, because you know, humans are storytellers and it kind of makes sense in our brains to
1: think of it like yeah. a story. Yeah. And and when you when you talk about the versions of life, because this is like I mean, it's crazy that it comes as a result of my like how I think about myself. But you know, I guess we all adapt to how we think about the world in general. But when you even write code and you're adding things, so version one or version 0.1.0. Is going to be an initial release. It's in beta and probably even in, in some, it could be even in like Delta, like whatever you want to classify it as. And it's really just given out to the rest of the programmers, like the programmers families. get to distribute this to friends or something like that and be like, hey, do a test that code, see what they think about it and send it back to us. We haven't even gotten funding yet from a VC. you know. <laughs> right. So we're still writing the code asking for venture capitalists to fund us and we don't have anything to lose and it's like, you know, maybe some of us are a little sketch, like, should we give this to our friends? They might steal our code and we'd be like, but well, we know there's so much more to program. So like forget it, you know, because that, that happens and it ends up on GitHub and somebody's like, yo, we got like diversion the, the pre, 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 pre beta to Twitter or some shit. And it's like, dude, what the fuck are you going to do with that? Right. I mean, honestly, it's not going to do you're not going to get get anywhere with that. But anyway, as a programmer, we write things. So think about it as 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 infants. We're like babies calling around like we're using our arms like in picking up objects. Right. And it's like, what are these arms? Well, these arms are features you know? So we're adding features to our, to the code. And that's what we do as programmers too. We're adding a feature. Like somebody's like, can this program communicate with my Gmail? And then we'll add that API access in, or somebody's like, Hey, I really want a button here that says clear because it's not intuitive enough. And that's usually like a UI designer, which uh, if you know anything about me, I I'm, I'm like a deep level database programmer, which is, I can, like I don't really like the UI, so the user interface side, like I can do it, but I don't know. I'm all, you know, in probably about a year, I'll probably be interested in UI again, and then I'll just dive down that hole. And I, then I'll be I, less. I
0: feel like we databases. I feel like we're both. We have a lot of the synergies here for sure, like a lot. And uh, from the design perspective, I'm all I'm all user experience friend end. Like I, I love I love that shit. Like to geek out on that, and it's not like I'm writing oh, code. But what? are um, you serious? Yeah, I love it. Dude, we could we can really collab, bro. No, like if you, if you about, if you think about if you think about, you know, really true the, the one of the most creative things I've ever done was, you know, create this wellness business. And the one of the funnest parts is thinking about it as a floater, you know, like as somebody who loves to float, creating a uh, a business for people who float, you know, it's fun because now you're like thinking about it from the user experience and even from a graphic design perspective and a website and like the funnel, like the, how am I going to get people to get in here? And and how are, and where are they going to go from there? Right? Like that whole flow is really fun for me and where it's kind of led, I was not expecting, (laughs) which is basically right now I'm working on a rabbit hole. So basically, you know, you walk in the door to a wellness business to try, you know, a float or a cold plunge or a sauna or whatever. And you know, you're somebody who's probably a little bit more on the curious side. You're coming. I mean, our brand, I think, selects for curious people and filters out uh, normies in some ways.
1: I can say that's for certain. Yeah. <laughs> Which is your messaging is all about like capturing curiosity. And I love it. And I, I'll say, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the best ways to go as far as this type of business because like people really do, they do adapt to curiosity. Yeah. You know? I love that. I love it so much.
0: Thanks, man. So, like, if you, if you create a, uh, like, and I love that you already do this, you know, you, you, you play with like the idea of Easter eggs in your center and people can like find free floats in your Zen room and shit like that. Right. Like you're, you're, you're playing with that, you know, it's similar to Meow for some sort of interactive installation. You know what I mean? Where you get, you're kind of giving people the opportunity to choose their own adventure and to kind of find, it's like an interactive world. You know what I mean? And so I like the idea of creating a rabbit hole where the float center, the wellness business is like a portal. It's like, it's like the rabbit hole, right? Like a rabbit hole is just a threshold. It's a portal into a new world. So you walk into the, the lobby. Yeah. The lobby is the liminal space. It's the space mm-hmm. between worlds. It's like the platform yeah. nine and three quarters, right? Exactly. Like you're right. Exactly how I look at yeah, it. Dude, I love <laughs> it. So you've got like, Crazy. you got like platform nine and three quarters happening in the lobby. And you're like, yeah, we got to get your credit card. Cause you know, we live in the yeah, fucking it's, matrix. It's sort
1: of normal. It's not completely like, <laughs> (laughs) subverted your expectations yet you know like we're getting there yeah but
0: there's like little clues that this place is kind of different like the art hanging up so kind of weird and you're like wait what and then and then you take your shoes off which is part of
1: floating and then next to a naked guy what (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry go
0: ahead so so then taking off the shoes which is another kind of part of the ritual right like you're kind of Mm -hmm. leaving the ordinary world you're taking the shoes off you're kind of doing the papers or whatever like the lobby stuff you cross the threshold which is A door that's closed, it's never open, and then it closes behind you, and now you're in the other world, right? Now you're in the other, (laughs) you've left the ordinary world, you're in a new world, and that's actually threshold two. The third and Mm -hmm. final threshold is actually when you enter the tank. So that's the that's a deeper inner sanctum type. It is. And
1: and see, and see, this is the philosophy. And you you've you have nailed it right on the head, bro. Like how yeah, I think it's like you you you're a really good, you you're You either adapt this or you just, you're in the best podcast interviewer ever because you've unlocked my brain. (laughs) Or maybe you just have that instinctual thought process. Well, where it came from. Because you're absolutely right about what you're saying and how I visualize it. I just never really, I guess I never really described it like that, but I love your description because it's like so true. I try to transport people into. Another world, yeah. I really do, I, and that's the experience I'm trying to give them. To the point where everything changes, not just the visual aesthetic, or even that weird, like, you know, uh, you know, maybe like, even through kin- like, I don't know, what's the opposite of a, like a kinesthetic approach to something where it's more like internalized the the entire experience like intro, is just like kind of receptive. developing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There you go. Interceptive. And and like, but not just in the tank. I mean, like beforehand. Mm-hmm. So the temperature in of the environment slowly increases while you walk back to the t- tanks. I'm so detailed on this, Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, The lights slowly dim as you get back to the tanks. And I mean, there is a long walkway that people got to go through to get there. And we call it the we call it the aquarium. But it's actually like we call the entire experience the journey. I love it. So like the tank is not just that experience. The journey itself is as cliche as it sounds because a lot of businesses like to say is we we provide an experience from the moment you step in the front door to when you leave. And I like to think like, really, bro, like I got to go through this stupid security check or I got I to gotta say hi to some person greeting me. That's not part of the experience. Like literally when you drive onto float lights rounds, the whole entire building is colored in a unique way. The building itself is just unique. It's like a, it's like a, it's it's ducco texture look. And, and I mean, I was lucky to be able to find something like this because I knew it was important. And Eric Anderson said it best. He said, this place is like the float castle. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, I know. Right. But I also have all the lights on the outside, which is like overstimulating. In fact, Grant Graham uh, uh, said, he's like, this is the opposite of floating. I don't understand how you get anyone to go into the place. (laughs) And he was insulting me, but I was also like flattered at the same time because, well, clearly they're coming in. So I didn't do something wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, the flight. But yeah, it is true. Like I really build an experience from even the outset. And here it goes even one step further, Christian. I build the experience from when they're interacting with us online. From the first time they see an ad, it's building an experience. Love it. And so when you expand your potential to outside what you think is a bounds to something or anything, you're limiting your potential creativity as a result. I hundred. I, you yeah, know what I'm saying I do. I love what you're saying. Uh, highly
0: aligned here. I think that. um So I started out doing this just intuitively based on what I had experienced in in you know, my experience is floating, you know, in really a lot of it comes from just like learning what not to do. Like when you come out of a float, maybe you're a little high, maybe you're like a little deep and you come out and you're like fucking blue lights and people ask talking to you and you're like, what the fuck? Like, leave me alone. <laughs> you know? So like you, you get some of those experiences. You're like, that's not how it's supposed to be. And, and then you kind of intuitively start to shape it. But where I got more grounded for me was when I discovered, um, Mercea Eliade's work. Uh, he is a philosopher of religion, um, maybe historian of religion, but I think he's a philosopher of religion. But basically he wrote the book or the textbook on um, basically sacred and profane space. So the idea of of creating sacred space is something that humans have been doing it's one of the things that makes us different from other animals. We've been doing it forever. Like the idea of, uh, burying your dead, right. Or, or anything like that, where you, you set apart a space from the rest of the space, right. Like, uh, and and I'll bet you fire had a lot to do with this, right. Like fire and light are being able to create light, um, with fire allows you to now, does delineate certain things from other things and now you create you know like a cross for example which is a delineation of a sacred space a cross is a symbol of of kairos and chronos or like the infinite and the now you know and it, like the the basically heaven and earth you know coming together and you're marking it with a symbol and so this idea of of we're already, as humans, just fundamentally hardwired into us, we're already creating things as sacred and delineating things as sacred. Even if it's like, you know, I pick up one pebble off the beach and I put it in my pocket because it for some reason I wanted to. And it just like it felt different to me and I grabbed it. And now it's like to, if you're a kid, it's a sacred pebble you know what i mean and and it's like it's going in your drawer with your other sacred items like you're you're collecting these things so basically if you think about um you know isn't it isn't
1: it amazing like the fact that as children we would covet such basic items and it that feeling if you can still feel it to this day you have to like really dive into your inner child to know what that feeling feels like right and like, what does it feel like to find something precious, a small inanimate object, and try to remember what that feeling feels like? Yeah. I mean and that 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 spirit at heart. I am actually like I think if you'd ask uh my partner, she'd probably say that I'm like a child in a lot of ways. Uh due due to the fact that I, I really do dive deep into my inner child. And that allows me to do so much, but anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to detract, bro. I just had to make this notion. Cause you kind of brought me back to like a nostalgic point in my life where I was like, I picked up something that I really cared about and I wanted to hold on to it. And I just brought myself back to that point. Yeah. You know, yeah. you ever done that? Like yeah. that's like I, transcendental, I like deep transcendental meditation practice. I, you know, The
0: last time I can think of that I did it was not long ago. It was in September. This is just what comes to mind. But um I was on a three-day fast and I went and hiked um Charleston Peak, which is the the mountain by Vegas, the tall mountain by Vegas. And I oh, right on. and up there, uh, this is super crazy. I had no idea till I got there, but like right before you summit, you know. So I'm like, you know, imagine that I'm by myself, I'm on a solo, I'm like two days into a fast, about to summit this mountain and there's a crashed airplane on the fucking top of this mountain like right on the slope holy shit like and this no way. and this crash happened like decades and decades ago so the airplane's super old oh. school and it's like it's just rub- it's just rubble, rubble at this point but it's like this, this old wreck from a long time ago and they just like crashed right at the top and i hiked over to the airplane and i picked up a little it was just a stupid little rusted out like nut or something like it was just a little circle um and you
1: picked up like the history of that yeah and impact. it and it was
0: my it was a token yeah. it was a token of my journey into the mountain and into that fast and that it was a, kind of a, a a bit of a vision quest I was doing and then I came down off the mountain and I still have it so like that's just and it's it's obviously that's it's amazing. worthless it's worthless it's just a little piece of
1: rusted metal you know so that, no 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 that nots a dude <laughs> see I can I can feel that. That token of importance through you, bro. But because that's, if I found that, if I found that in your journey, I would have been like, dude, we're taking this with us. But that's like, my. We need this. But that's my whole point is that, from anyone else's perspective,
0: yeah. who doesn't have the context and the subjective connection of this, the meaning of it, it's worthless. It's just a piece of rusted of metal. It's true. And and so what I believe is possible with the float centers in particular, but with any kind of, I mean, Meow Wolf can do this. Like really any business can do this. It's not, it's not subjective. It's not, it's not relegated to just like one industry, but you can spark curiosity again, and you can bring back the sacred into people's lives. So it's, I I would argue that at the heart of our environmental crisis and our health crisis and all the existential threats to humanity and to the world, uh, all the species in, that are dying. The heart of that metacrisis is a forgetting of the sacred. And it's a loss and a death of the sacred in our, in our own hearts and our own minds. So, and, and, and so fundamentally what happens if you lose that connection, you lose it on an, in, in, then you're cut off from the sacred. So, your soul kind of dies in a way like you're it hibernates, it goes away. And so I believe that the suicide epidemic and the crisis of suicide is also linked to this concept of, of sacred, which it's, it's, it's so deep in our human psyche. So when you, when you intentionally design a space, like what you've done at Floatlight that, and what we've tried to do at true North where it brings people on a journey, as you call it, where they cross a threshold from the profane space of the everyday world where everything's for sale, you know what i mean? Like we're in the fucking profane life of world of 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 capitalism and everything else where it's just like everything has a price tag and then you cross over that threshold into uh, sacred space where it's like, okay, this is a place for curiosity, for deep self-discovery and and exploration and healing, um, and connections with other humans that are beyond the screen. Like we're not, we're not here to doom scroll in the Zen room. We're here to drop in and talk to people or to be in our own, you know, inquiry, self-inquiry. And then when you go into the float tank, it gets even more profound because now you're in the inner sanctum, which t- typically would be, like in the center of the temple right like it's like where you it's the it's the holy of holies right and so mm. there there you have the water
1: such a good analogy there you bro. have the that.
0: water which yeah. is the most so sacred thing on earth the fucking water <laughs>
1: So good bro like this is such a good analogy oh my god Damn. well what else what else Dude, is your boy, more sacred? blowing my mind right now give me all no right. it's so true but i never put it to the that's so true dude. We are a sanctuary. That's the truth. 100%. And you know what? I mean, you know what? I feel it. It's not like I don't already represent floatlight that way and I think the guests do as well. But but yeah, we're a sanctuary. We're like like legit floatlight and your and True North is a sanctuary. And that's and it's ironic too because the new space we're building is called the Sanctuary, but you know that that that's going to be even on another level, bro cuz um I'm excited about that, but yeah, it's like a sanctuary and, and the ultimate part of the holy temple, the most sacred space is the float tank in a way. I mean, yeah. And, you know, it's it's, the, it is truly insane. That, it's yeah, because that's where, brilliant.
0: in my experience with all of the other, you know, wellness healing modalities and whatnot, right? Like I've I've had really profound experiences of healing, say in a maloka with other people, you know, in like a medicine journey where it's yeah. still incredibly powerful sacred space. And I'm not saying you can't have interpersonal sacred space where in fact, it can be some of the most profound sacred space is the p- space you share with others. But something about the float tank and its ability to, because it's such a safe container for you to to shed every mask, to, to to drop all of the bullshit away, it allows you to get to a deeper sense of self than I believe is possible in any kind of social environment because there's always the social self present. Even when you're deep in a psychedelic journey, like, you know, like, I, I, for example, I've been on like a hardcore, uh, I was in a hardcore experience on ayahuasca where it was very intense and I was very self-conscious of the fact that I was, really ruining everyone else's experience because of my, you know, my vocalness that was coming out. And it was kind of all, all autopilot. Like I couldn't stop it. It was coming up. And, and that really was like, fuck. I mean, I, I think there's value in that experience and I wouldn't want to have changed it. But when I go into the tank, I can have no reservations. If I want to fucking sing, I sing. If I want to hum, I hum. If I want to be silent, i be silent. If I want to cry, I cry. There's no reason not to be authentic in the tank if you can't meet yourself fully authentically there where the fuck can you meet yourself
1: fully authentically and this is i feel like this is something that i really should try to try to empower folks to understand is that emotional release um can happen in the tank and they should be comfortable with that and you know it's a really good point um so you've given me much to to ponder about on that front too, because I think that there's an, there's an untapped potential for the tank and, and just the float industry in general to utilize this tool as an even greater, more deeper, uh, you know, more appreciated approach even by like the psych, the, the psychological community, the the community that's helping folks with like trauma and stuff like that, because um, I think there's something there for sure.
0: So, so. Yeah, so so I, I think I want I'm curious where you line on this particular question that I have. So um, I know like in prior prior float conferences I've heard you know like uh, so sort of a narrative that and I think this might have stemmed from John Lilly, uh, who's the inventor obviously of the float tank. For anyone who doesn't know, but basically um, this idea that you should floating should be built in a neutral space where there's no programs there's nothing programming the 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 because he, he likes to use this metaphor of the biocomputer so hum, humans are a biocomputer yeah. it's a beautiful metaphor and it might it actually might not even be a yeah. metaphor it might just be literally true like we're a biological no, yeah. computer right and so your hardware was evolved but your software was designed like somebody downloaded mm-hmm. it into you via a particular language and an operating system that came along with it so if you're in a float environment and you're going deep into self and you're kind of stripping away the layers of the programming and the operating system, and you're going deeper and deeper into uh, whatever is at the core, you know, which I would call soul or something and then, then, or being, you know, the imperturbable center of being or whatever. Um, Then the idea would be like, don't put anything in the center that the float tank is in that would impress upon the person, keep it as blank and as neutral and as bland as possible. Um uh, so it's all about whatever's inside of them and not about what's on the walls or the vibe or the music of your space. What do you think about that? Like do you do you agree with that?
1: You mean like try to not have any stimuli and just make it a completely void of all stimuli as possible? Or you're referencing back to the biocomputer because I think you said two things here. Um with the pre meta programming concept from that John Lilly wrote about, um I think that that I mean just through my own uh i mean I've walked thousands of guests back to these tanks, so I feel like I've conducted my own little mini qualitative analysis um and if I was to be really really detailed about it, I probably could have quantized my experience anyway but um, so I know what a guest needs to not know <laughs> before going into this environment, because I can tell you with absolute certainty that the subtleties of how you introduce them to this world will affect their experience without a doubt, 150%. Uh, if somebody walked past you in the hallway and said, it's cold, and they were just joking, and they could, and the other person couldn't pick up on that sarcasm or comedy, or maybe they were being honest, that tank is going to feel cold even if it was the perfect temperature right so all of these little subtleties do come into play before going into that environment cuz you're so deep you're just so deep and the float tank itself it's true that you know reducing the stimuli to nothing is you know that, that i say that's a more ideal space but christian i must tell you that i've worked on some projects here at floatlight and they're still operational. I just I don't have a practical like commercial application for them. But I'm huge on automation. So in each of the little stars on the top of the tanks, because I have a starlight cabin. It's a superior flow tank. Um, I programmed single addressable LEDs to each individual strand. And then we we bought this device called an open BCE, which is a brain, it it uh what's the name of it It... uh like ECG, it does a uh, EEG scan or something. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But it's called OpenBCI, so you can look it up. Uh, and it's an EEG, uh, and it and it's actually taking sixteen channels, so it's sixteen electrodes. And with the channel data, we're able to. Well, I was able to because this is a custom project completely. I was able to take that data, pull it out, and in imp- and, and use it as functioning. Like changes to the lights on the ceiling. And what I think I've built is a biofeedback mechanism. <laughs> so basically, people. It, f- when it works, bro, I w- it works. Like you can wear this helmet thing, you're in a float tank completely, and you have to put a swim cap on. And I'm still working out the logistics of how you do this, but because I know it's, dude, this is all boilerplate, completely bootstrapped, <laughs> just John invention time, right? Love it. And so it's crazy. And you wear this thing. I even I I pitched this to Justin Feinstein. He's like, oh, my fucking God, bro. Like, can you come to Maui and show me this shit? And I'm like, yeah, bro, I'll come out there and show you.
0: Just for the record, Justin Justin Feinstein sounds a little bit more scientific than that. But
1: (laughs) no, well. Uh, so if you believe it or not, he actually said this to me cause Baby. I talked to him, but he was also being unscientific at the time. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. And if this makes it on air, I'll make sure Justin knows that I, I do not question his scientific capabilities rigorous. by any means He's rigorous. Yeah, and articulate. He'll, he'll, yeah. He'll be totally fine with it. So um. anyway, yeah. So you put this thing on your head and it's not like very pretty at all, bro. Like I told Justin, I'm like, dude, can I please get that EEG that's at the Tulsa lab? And, uh, and I and I still think he's. I don't think he has access to it now. But he's like, yeah, let me get a hold of the guy. And I, I probably should follow up with him and be like, Justin, can you please get a hold of that guy again? Because I just want that one thing that sits on the forehead, you know, and that would be so much better than this ridiculous open BCI plastic helmet that uh, clearly isn't very comfortable and, and is going to get water into it and it's not going to work. But anyway, long story short, I got the sixteen electrodes, had the sixteen channels really simple, mapped out the 16 channels to the to the LED lights and determined some frequency and pattern organization, which wasn't really that hard either. And then eventually displayed lights on the ceiling. So we were able to take like, like a baseline, another unique approach and so on and so forth.
0: So you've got basically a uh, wearable that creates a biofeedback loop between you and the lights. So as you think you see the lights illuminate, is that kind of the vibe? Like basically what's going on, brainwave patterns are
1: affecting let me, what lights up. So let me tell you about the story about how this all, because I did this thing and I was so blown away by the craziness of what I was doing that I didn't actually think about a scientific study and what this could be used for. Practically. I was just trying to create the color green. Right. And I didn't actually. And and so like, you have to create a baseline. Like, where's my mind? If I'm not thinking about this device, do you understand what I'm saying here? Like I'm trying to get to a perfectly meditative state and record that data at the perfect time and try to figure out what the baseline is, where I'm not thinking about the thing that I'm doing because I'm my own subject. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. And so, and and all I'm really doing is I'm taking, I'm taking the data from my mind and I could have done this with another person. This is why it's not a practical application because like, I can't, how are we supposed to test this on everyone? And I mean, yes, it's true. There are certain like general wavelengths and frequencies of the brain that are calm enough to where I can map out, it's it's almost like a histor- um uh, a hysteresis. So it's like from a small point to a high point, and I can determine that this is what the whatever range affects this function. So like the function could be like just stay at a static color, because if I was to somehow just randomly scatter the data over the lights, it would just it would look like static, right? From like the uh Andromeda galaxy, right? <laughs> or right. some shit, you know? So. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, eventually I did. I got it. I got it to where it was like, I think about this in this potential world and it would change the lights, dude. It was so crazy, dude. It was like, I was in a science fiction movie, bro. Yeah. That's,
0: that's really cool. But how do you see that? Um, like why, I mean, other than curiosity and it's really cool. Why do it in the float tank? What would be the benefit of having the lights change with your thoughts? Because like, wouldn't it be kind yeah, of that's, a,
1: that's what, Yeah, no, I I don't disagree. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) This is just how I think, bro. I'm just weird. Like, I come up with these crazy ideas. And, like, look, if you were talking the 80-20 rule, right, or or in my case, 30-70, whatever, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, just come up with weird shit, throw it at a wall, (laughs) and see if it works sometimes. You know what the greatest part about that is, is that you're living life. You know what I mean? You're just exploring. You're being... You know, I'm, I'm, a not, kid. I'm not. I'm a kid, bro. I'm a child. I'm not
0: poo pooing <laughs> it at all because I feel like um, not only do you learn something that goes on a shelf that eventually could become very valuable. Like at some point later on in your life, you could be engineering something or developing something and be like, "Oh fuck, that's what it's for!" And then you bring it in, and you're like, yeah, "It's a perfect application, right?" So you you learn shit, and uh, it you know if you're curious, follow that thread hundred percent of the time. I'm I'm with you. Um, what I'm interested in is how to, how to architect or design the most transformative catalyst. Like the best, like how do you create the best catalyst yeah. for personal uh, expansion and transformation? And this is why I asked you what your take yeah. was on the neutral bland versus, you know, creating a more. Yeah, rampant.
1: I apologize. I did get into a tangent there. So I agree with you. Like if we were to talk about like what is the most the deepest environment you could get in, um, th- without a doubt, you know, just reducing as much stimuli as possible is absolutely, at its core, going to help you get there. Well, um,
0: okay. So, I let me ask you. Like, here's my here's my question, right? So, really, it's around yeah, okay. it's around art, right? Okay. So, if you think of it like this, there's there's two tools here, in this particular case. One is well, there's there's three main tools. One is the float tank itself, which is basically just sensory. I don't like the word deprivation, but we, we reduce sensory input as much as possible. Right. And then mm-hmm. the other is the, you're playing with space. You're creating a sacred space versus a, a profane space. So the idea of creating a good threshold and all of the things that come with setting someone up and priming them for the water, right? Cause somebody going in there all stressed and nervous is different than somebody going in there, you know, in a, in a calm, open, intentional headspace right so you want you want like the to play with the space properly you want the float tank to be dialed but then there's a third tool that i think can be very powerful um and this is contrary i think to john Lilly's point um potentially i'm not sure but i, I think i'm in you know, kind of the opposite approach, which is that art, and I believe art fundamentally has the power to shift consciousness. And I think that art has always been the tip of the spear of culture. So the art seeds culture and culture follows the art of the culture. So artists sort of the artists are sort of out on the edge, pioneering and exploring, and then the culture sort of follows later. And, um, I would say, I mean, this has always been the case, right? With any revolution of, of human rights, of environmentalism, it starts with artists and fucking wacky dudes at the time. They're considered weirdos or heretics. And then later, like decades later, you're like, oh, they were ahead of their time. Look at that. Holy shit. And so, what if you used art inside of a wellness center to expand consciousness? So, it's not zero stimulation it's not like we've created bland fucking beige everywhere. Everything is just beige and like Chinese, like Zen harps playing. Yeah. Instead- yeah can I,
1: can I expand upon the rabbit hole just a little bit? Go ahead. Like just a tiny bit. Um, Cause I, I don't want you to lose your thought, but it's ingrained you know, in- for me. Oh yeah. So this is like your core philosophy, which is great. And we'll, we'll dive down it. But like when I look at the art and the whole point of bringing up, remember it's like the artists they would be at the forefront of the revolution. Um, I really believe that, Art, as we know it right now, is in a is in evolved to the point now where the new artists are going to become programmers and prompt engineers. And that's going to be looked at as art because I'm, t- I'm telling you, there's going to be like the traditionalists, like the artists. But there are going to be people who paint with technology at a whole new level you've never even understood or can comprehend right now. It's almost like trying to comprehend a tesseract you know, a four-dimensional hypercube, right? So like, how do you comprehend what is not comprehensible yet? The world is in a divide in a strange, strange evolution into this AI world. And it's going to get weird yeah. really fast, but it's okay. Let's because I get, I'm adapting it. Okay. So, but we're going to keep going down your rabbit hole. Well, I'm I just going to let you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like, I like okay. you set it up. I got you it. Set it up and I'm going to circle us to okay. AI. All right. So trust me, I'm going to get us there. So so basically let's let's play with this because I think we're going to this is going to tie in nicely. So you've created a journey as you said a, a a journey into a sacred space. So in a way it's a hero's journey where you're crossing a threshold, you're leaving the ordinary world, you're going into the cave. You're going into sometimes an ordeal, like sometimes it's an emotional ordeal or whatever it is that you face in the float tank and it can be very transformative. And I'm suggesting that you use the, uh, you use art inside of that journey in the same way that, uh, Vince Caldebeck and Meow Wolf use art to shift consciousness in the same way that Alex Gray uses art to shift consciousness. And in fact, with my buddy Nico's, um, pr- project called art drop, it's not possible to just like replicate visionary art that would normally cost thousands and thousands of dollars and create 3D replicas of it that are indiscernible from the original and hang those in float centers. So basically you can have the sacred mirrors trilogy or not trilogy, but series, because it's more than three, but like you could have sacred mirrors on the walls, which are basically just the human form. So if you want to see like what a human form looks like from the skeletal to the energetic, all the way up that spectrum, you could have those on the wall. And it's not like you're putting some sort of ideology on people like join my cult. All you're doing is you're saying this is human and you are that. And it, Mm. it wakens, it awakens consciousness because what you see is, oh yeah, I've seen a skeleton before. Oh yeah. I've seen a human with muscles, uh, like a muscle muscular system before. Yeah. I've seen, wait, what's this? a human energetic body with chakras and a fucking aura it's like holy shit that's part of it too i didn't know that and you're
1: you're seeing- <laughs> it's so you know what if you saw that is is this a piece of art that you've seen yeah. look like at this the, look at the sacred mirror
0: series um alex gray all
1: right i, I gotta look at this
0: uh, gray made this piece of art what it's, is it called so these are life-size paintings that are the size of humans and they're okay. called the sacred mirrors okay. And it's a series of a progression of the human form from the basic skeletal system all the way up to ethereal energetic system. And Alex Gray studied anatomy. I mean, he worked- I love Alex Gray, this guy's amazing. He worked in a morgue for a long time just studying the human body. And his visionary art's phenomenal. So he's just one example of what you could do. You know, you could curate a transformational art gallery where you're walking into a dope fucking art gallery that you, that's that's like awakening and expanding consciousness as you're going into your float experience. This is very much different from the keep it super simple neutral bland beige concept, right? Where you don't impress on people. And in fact, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying impress liberating structures like plant rabbit holes, create liberating structures not to not to um you know Coerce people into anything, or to trick people into something that's bad for them, but to give, you know, like to, you want to increase human sovereignty, you want to increase human creativity, right? And how can you create structures that do that, that actually liberate consciousness? So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, and and then this is where I think it comes into, uh, into the AI space, right? So now, imagine you're in the float tank, you just had an epiphany, right? you've had one in the float tank i know you have right you've had many so you have one of those float tank epiphanies without a doubt yeah, yeah. you have yeah. one of those float tank epiphanies and it's like fuck i need to capture this but i can't get out cuz then i'm going to lose the thing and it's like i'm in the thing i i just i need to record it right and so you have a microphone that records mm-hmm. the epiphany so you speak the word, which in the, in the beginning, there was the word, this is Genesis, like literally God spoke the word and, and, and basically spoke reality into existence. So it's like, okay, we're creators. We're like gods. We can create with the word. We're doing it right now. And so basically you start in the float tank where it's the best place. It's the void. It's the space for you to connect to from, from the plane of all potentiality that space of like pregnant possibility. And that's where the idea comes in. Um, and then you are the channel for it. And then you speak it. That's step one. Now you leave the tank, you know, you have your post float session, maybe you journal, whatever, but that recording is yours. And it, and what happened? Well, the, well, there's, you can get, it depends on how weird you want to go. One is it just went into an audio file, which you then file into your you know, AI powered second brain built in some awesome tool for organizing and becoming an extension of your intelligence. Like I'm building a notion, or you could even have that mic be a two way, uh, AI assistant. And you can actually have a conversation so that you can, while you're in the float tank, walk through this ideation process. And that AI is writing and recording everything that you're doing as you go. So now imagine this, you've just, you've just reduced the lag time from ideation to manifestation massively by being in the perfect space for the ideation to happen. I mean, think about how much gets lost when you go from floating to writing it down an hour later, how much did you lose? How much can you actually bring Mm -hmm. back?
1: Yeah. um, In fact, like the whole, the whole premise that you're making here is something that I think that almost every, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of people had to have thought about, In fact, I've had guests come out of the tank and be like, man, I really needed a voice recorder. Yeah. I wish you had a voice recorder in there. And I'm like, yeah, I I actually thought about it. I'm like many times I'm like, you know, it'd be cool to install that. But then I'm like the logistics of it. Like what if somebody thinks it's creepy? Yeah. 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 So like I have, I've honest to God, like, cause I'm the type of person that will make something happen. Like if somebody says I really want that, I would just go and do it, especially when it comes from my guests. Like my guests would be like, Hey, I wish we really had this thing. And I'd be like, Oh, just come back in a week and you'll, and we'll, and just just come back next week if you want that thing. And, and they'll come back next week and we'll have that thing. Even if it's just for them, uh, just because, you know, <laughs> why, why the fuck not? Yeah. Especially if it's super cheap or something, but even if it was expensive and enough people were like, dude, you really need this thing. I'll break down and be like, all right, let's just get it for them. You know, like we, they need it, you know, like they need this fancy hairdryer or something that changes your life. <laughs> like whatever, I'll get it for the makeup room. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so, but, but, yeah, no, yeah. Let yeah, me, let on. me, let
0: me stitch this together a little bit more because this, there's, there's a couple of, of memes here, that have to be, set up, and then it kind of, I think, weaves together nicely.
1: Hopefully, can, can, can we take like a quick natural break though? Yeah, just real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and is that typical? I don't know if you can do that on a podcast. I can, I can pause, do do yeah,
0: pause recorder, quick.
1: Well, there's a couple, couple, okay. A couple of drops I want to make too, but you'll probably cut this part. But there's a couple of things I wanted to mention if it's okay. I wanted to mention some things that might resonate with people that may listen to this in all worlds of life. But something also, you know, a little bit can I say this without you adding it to the recording? I can just hit yeah, pause on like the recording. A little bit of self.
0: <laughs>
1: no, I mean, you're not going to just cut this in, are you? Um, I guess a little bit of self-promoting, you know, like everyone's got a product to sell, right? You know? So I don't know if that's something you allow on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, you want people to, yeah, we
0: can, All let's right. um, let's plug away as soon as we finish the thread, because I don't want to drop it. We were talking about, we're talking about, okay, I gotcha. Um, gotcha. This idea of creating, of using sacred space, of using the float tank and of using art to create catalyst for evolution of consciousness expansion of consciousness transformation of humans right and the next kind of step to that is like well we're in the ai age we're in a new revolution of of ai and that's emerging so how does maybe that play into it right and how does the evolution of consciousness augmented with artificial intelligence look and um so if you created the feed, the, the if you got the tech solved, which isn't that complicated, it's basically just connecting via a microphone, a person in a float tank to a language model. That's it, right? And then-
1: Yeah, in today's world, yes, that this would work for sure. Yeah,
0: exactly. So yes. you you connect the microphone to the person's voice, and that voice goes to language model. I guess you would need some sort of speaker if the AI was going to speak back to the- to the person in the tank. Right. So, but the point is, is you could have a particular language model and you alluded to this earlier Mm. in the conversation and this language model is the language model that's trained specifically for you. In other words, this is your AI bot. This is your AI language model. This is an extension of your intelligence, and this AI is trained exactly on your brain. What I mean by your brain is your second brain. So you've created a digital framework, an architecture that was designed. It was actually kind of like a lifestyle design exercise where you designed how you wanted to create your digital life, in other words. And your brain is where all the information that you resonate with and that you want to store so in other words, if you can't hold everything inside your physical biological brain and you write stuff down in your journal and you use your phone for stuff and you use notes and you navigate and you listen to podcasts and all these things where the information lies outside of your memory and right outside of the actual biology of your body, why not bring all of that into one? Why not bring all that into one center, one hub? Do you know what I mean? And you could build that in whatever tool was, you know, best for you. I'm currently See, building one.
1: Cool. That meeting. I'm currently. So, sorry about that, Kristin.
0: So, don't don't worry. So I'm currently building my second brain in Notion, right? And mm-hmm. so like I've basically been designing it for the last couple of months, and I'm now templating it out. and And what I'm going to do is I'm going to. This is we've also talked previously about Soul Quest, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a hero's journey called Soul Quest, where it's kind of a rabbit hole where people can go. Deeper into this sort of self transformative transformative kind of journey, and then using a template can design their own second brain and start having a tool where all of the the knowledge base is is stored in one place and you have an extension of your intelligence that's powered by AI, AI that is being trained on all that information. So it gets more and more context as you as you populate it with stuff that you resonate with. That version of AI, Could then, and this would be a a question for you as an engineer, would be, could we get that AI from Notion through some sort of, I don't know if it's an API or whatever, but get it to a thing that you can talk to in the float tank? Or worst case, yeah. worst case, you just, I mean, this would be plug and play right away. This is super easy. You just use something like that Plod Note tool that I talked to you about or use like Otter or something. Yeah. You just use a transcription AI that grabs all the text from from you talking and you feed the transcript to the to the Notion AI. That would be a temporary fix if you just wanted to grab whatever you said in the tank. But if you wanted to have real-time feedback... Between you and an AI that's trained on your brain. In other words, if you want Jarvis, your personal assistant, hanging out with you in the float tank, so that he can he can take all of the information that you're that you're saying, you know what I mean, and actually create actionable uh, shit from that, um, and and populate it into your brain, you know, and just reduce the lag time between ideation and manifestation. That's that's a trippy. That's a that's a trippy. Potentially really problematic and also very exciting proposition. So what do you think about that? I'm going to record. Okay, so a little technical difficulty. I'm just going to summarize that idea real quick and then um, pass it back to you. So you have someone in the flow tank with a technological interface between them and an AI, basically just a microphone, potentially a speaker if the AI is live and talking back to them. and then that on the back end of that is an ai chatbot that's trained on either there's two options either it's just transcribing right and then you're feeding the transcript to the brain which which is good enough you know and that's really safe it's just a one way mic you know it's like just recording your thoughts that's all that's that's like this mm-hmm. that's like the mild version the spicy version is like it's actually an api into the notion ai that you've been putting all of your data into and it's like your actual, your AI brain and you're talking to it and it's actually working with you in real time to create shit. So you could be like, you know, create a page for this and let's build out this idea, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? Yeah,
1: no, I actually really like the idea. Um, If you're talking to me uh, as an engineer, as a software engineer, I could say that there are a million ways that this could be implemented um, in implemented in a a very positive way in, in appropriate, I guess one question I had was, is like, this could be an experience built upon itself, like in particular in the float tank, but in the real world anywhere. I mean, technically speaking, this artificial intelligence could get to know you. And that could be your, I mean, if you call it second brain, like you were saying, it could be that. Yeah. And that's essentially, I mean, what you're doing is, uh, and, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it and maybe you're, and, and I'm sure I am, but, but what you're doing is, is I think exactly what a lot of people are thinking can already be done because I've spoken to a lot of people about, about this. Like we're, we're thinking that in the marketing world, at least like that we could build a program where you load the information about your business, for instance, into this chat bot and you pre-train the model. So like, I think before, I don't even know, maybe we weren't recording at the beginning, but like I said, one thing that I thought, thought a lot of people I was trying to explain, like Whenever we start a new text thread, a new instance of OpenAI's chat GPT, or it could be, it could be any of the other LLMs, you know, like Llama or anything like that. It could be BARD. Um, we're creating mini instances of micro trained models. And those micro trained models are trained on us, on whatever information we've given it prior. And it's like these little branches that keep branching out. And that's why it's almost like you know, if you're used to using chat GPT now, you're like, oh man, I really don't want to start a new thread, but the way that their interface organizes everything just really sucks. And you probably got to download a plugin so that it's organized. If you even know that exists. And then even then, you know, like sometimes the chat will get broken because somehow it'll say that you did something wrong and then they lock you out of the chat. Right. And it's like, that really sucks. So like as a programmer, you learn like what the, uh, uh, what the sandbox looks like, you know, like, so you just, you go into the, you go into the app developer side and then you just build these models out. I mean, for good, they don't get stuck because they're using tokens from your API key, as opposed to using the $20 paid service for, uh, for open AI's, uh, chat GPT, for instance. Right. But, you know, when you explore even deeper, like, dude, this whole concept of large language models is subverting so many people's brains about like what programming is because we went from a world where we had to write conditional statements about objects in like this virtual space Mm -hmm. and how these objects interact with other objects in a virtual space to now we just tell the thing exactly what we want the object to do when another thing happens to that object like in language in like human spoken word yeah. or, or written word. And it's so weird. It's like, dude, how do you go from complex programming to overnight talk? Like, Oh, we don't need to program anymore. Now we just need to talk.
0: Just prompt it. Yeah,
1: It's weird. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's a revolution for sure. It's um, it's, and it's probably just the beginning of an even crazier uh, transition, you know, like it's going to get less, like, just like how initially when computing revolution happened, the friction between you and the computer was really high. And it actually started out, which is pretty much nerds and, and technical, technically savvy people being able to really utilize the tech and use the tools. And then that got easier and easier from a user experience. Cheap, computers got cheaper and cheaper. And then it got to the point where it's like, now everyone has a computer in their pocket and it's ubiquitous. And the user interface is through your thumbs you know, and through your voice. Like It's super easy. It's super clean. That's going to happen on steroids with AI where the, I mean, and to take into its fullest extent, you're probably looking at like Neuralink and reducing the, or expanding the bandwidth by just going hardware straight in, which I, yeah. I personally, I I'm against that just because I feel like, um, I want to live a human life, you know, like I want to, uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just feel like at some point you got to draw a line. Um, do you want to go full augmentation all the way and, you know, transhumanism right and like just merge with the machine and upload your consciousness to the to the ai at some point and like that's the that's the full merge or do you stay in the mindset of like these bodies this lifetime this planet you know what i mean like actually being embodied human in this world not in the oh, metaverse yeah. not in some other yeah uh,
1: i i understand where you're going with this and and for me um in, the bandwidth problem problem is a real thing Um, And I think that with augmentation, kind of like with anything else, it's a one little thing that you keep adding to your to your to your biological machine. You keep adding this more, you know, this more non-biological hardware because we've already done that. Right. With our cell phones, like we've accepted that there is an extension of our bodies that we typically always need. And that's a phone. And we're doing that with, like, we've even wearing these headphones right here. These are an extension of our body. Like, we could we could have made a conscious choice just not to have this meeting, and I'd have had to fly out to you, yep. and I'd have had to speak to you in person, but we make the choice to adapt certain pieces of technology that would be considered biological augmentation. Yep. So all it takes is a matter of time before something comes out where increased bandwidth uh, of our of the potential of how we get information into the device. Because right now using our fingers or even using our mouth is slow. It's so slow. It's like at magnitude slower than anything where the the computer is capable of handling in the first place. But it's better than, it's better than thumbs. Oh, I mean, talking is better than thumbs, but thinking is, I mean, thinking is, is the ultimate yeah, thing, and like, that's why neural it. and
0: that's why neuralinks going. You know, you're talking about doing it with yeah. lights, right? Like you created a neuralink with a, a a rudimentary neuralink device with an EEG helmet and lit up some lights, yeah. which is cool, but like now imagine
1: it's like it's like 8 bits of potential.
0: <laughs> now imagine you've got a fucking highway of information between you yeah. and an AI and it's just like plugged right in. I I I mean I see I see the advantage, you know. I see where it's going and Maybe I'll be at some point, some sort of obsolete boomer type person who just like, didn't plug in all the way. And maybe I will, I don't, I don't know. Like it'll depend on how it kind of rolls out. I'm just, I'm, I, I have a problem. I think it's kind of a rapture ideology, um, in some ways to just like, like, in other words, if you go back to that conversation around what's sacred to me, being a Mm. human in this body on this planet, being, being an embodied human present and like it's good enough like i don't need to go full machine do you know what i mean um like i want liberating structures i want the machine to liberate me to be more human like to to actually be free to go rock climb and to be with my future kids you know and to like hang out in the human ways like i don't want to always be plugged into a uh, matrix where it's always you know where i'm in some sort of digital land all the time like, like zoom is fine. Like, cause I love talking to you. Like, this has been fun, but I would oh, yeah. rather, I would rather, we rather do it in person.
1: Oh, me too, bro. Like, honestly, like that trip to the top of that mountain, I don't know. I you know, The way that you talked though, you were so ambitious that you were like, yo, uh, I'll I'll straight up have a podcast on the top of the mountain. If, I mean, if it's a thing, we'll do it. <laughs> cause we were talking about the sprint van, remember Oh yeah, uh, the sprinter van. Huh? And I'm like, this is so cool because I've never really been in a Sprinter van before. Like, so the yours was the first I've ever really seen and in my life. And so I'm like, hmm, this thing is kind of cool. Uh, and I like it. You know, it's it's neat. Is that what it's called? It's a Sprinter like. Yeah. Van yeah. It's a,
0: so Mercedes makes a van called the Sprinter and not every okay. not all van life fans are Sprinters, but a lot of them are. They're popular in like the van life community. Yeah. This one this one Oh yeah. This one's it's called so a, this one's called a storyteller. Like a storyteller is the company that builds these particular vans out. So if you're curious. Okay.
1: Oh, storyteller. Yeah. So like the the van was built by another company that built out the van from yeah. its like normal they bought, bucket seat things like whatever the yeah. little
0: seats. They buy they buy stock Mercedes sprinters and then they convert them into storytellers.
1: Oh, that's is there like a a story storyteller over
0: storyteller overland is the name if you want to check it out
1: oh yeah i'll I'll look it up
0: so cool thank you john this has been this has been this has been fun um you you know point people wherever you want to point people they'd be lucky to find it i'm sure uh you know (laughs) float lights dope if you're in wisconsin you must check it out i must check it out i still haven't been there i really want to but um yeah do you have anything that you want to they want to point people towards
1: well, yeah, I mean, not not in particular. Um, you know, I, I'm I know that we didn't really focus on the industry. Uh and a lot of people, if they do hear this, like I'm very passionate about floating. Um we can do I a we can all, do a
0: round two where it's all like if you want, I'll all like because I tend to go super wide. And so we can do a round two where it's like. You more just want to di- stick
1: to be specific. Yeah. It'd be fine. Um, and like I said, I'm not really trying to sell anything to anybody. Um, but if you like you just said, if you do ever come out to Float Light in Appleton, man, you get, you know, I'm always I'm I am always i am i will if I'm here and you ask for me, uh, and it's a genuine thing, like try not to sound like a salesperson because my employees pat- particularly know how to identify you, salespeople and they say, no, John's not here right now. The <laughs> owner's not here. If you don't mention me personally, but I would love to hear from you. Get anybody out there, you know, feel free to send me an email at J at floatlight.com. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm this exploratory thinker that likes to paint on the canvas of entrepreneurial life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way
0: to put it. <laughs> I think we're both aligned in that regard. And, um, I would love to, uh, do what I can, if I can do anything, which I'm sure I can do something. I don't know what it is yet, but um, I would love to contribute my creativity and gifts in whatever way I can to the float industry. So I'm doing that, you know, with true North, but I would, you know, help out FTA in whatever way I can. Um, I really do think that it's an, it's, it's weird, man. It's like floating has fucking changed my life like big time. And Mm -hmm. And I, I floated last night and it's just like, every time I do, it's a little reminder. It's like, oh yeah. I, you know, I forgot why I started this place for a second. I was like stressed or busy or whatever. And it's like, got too sucked into the game into the, into uh, business. And then you come back to the tank and you're like, oh yeah, we just need more people to float. Like we just need to get more mm-hmm. people in float tanks. So I'm a big fan of, of making this industry pop off. And I think that the way we're going to do that is we're going to bait and switch people by pulling him into cold plunge.
1: <laughs> you know, it's probably true because I'll tell you something that's funny about that. Um uh, we're going to bait and switch people because we're because the cold plunge industry is kind of exploding if, if you oh, yeah. didn't catch the reference, right? Um and we'll probably introduce those people to the, to the float tank, which then it will flip flop again and then we'll have to do the opposite again. Um but you know, because we've already seen this with massage like I have two massage suites and so like They'll be like, hmm, what is that? And then we'll we'll go show them and they're like, hmm, that's interesting. And then they'll do that and then they'll become float people for a while, or they'll be float and a massage person. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a sim I think the multi-modality float center is kind of a symbiotic thing and like you know, take your approach. But from your perspective, it's true. Like if you have an extra room that doesn't have a tank in it and you're struggling to get your other tanks built uh booked, don't book another tank. Okay. Don't build another tank, like build something else. That can complement that because this is what we're kind of starting to learn. like you really need that like multi pronged approach to wellness when you're building these facilities.
0: yeah, I th- you know, I think that the idea of the pure float center is you know, if you can do it and, and and you're nailing it all the more power to you, that's fucking great. I think it's really cool. I personally think that it kind of requires a big market and it, you really have to do it right. Ah, uh, it's not easy. it's 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 harder to do. And is it as impactful as something like a transformational wellness center, right? Where you can bring together mm, yeah. lots of different tools and create, you know, like if you were to just go from a beginner's mind approach to a design space and say, how can we architect or design transformational wellness. What does that look like in physical, you know? And then like in digital and in social, like what kind of spaces are we creating? How do, what is transformational wellness? How can we engineer that? Um, And I don't think it's just float tanks. I think that there's a lot of components to it. Like art's one of them for sure, for for me in my mind, art, visionary art is transformational. Cold water has been incredibly transformational for me. Sauna's amazing. You know, breath work's amazing. Psychedelics play a role. You know, there's all these different modalities that kind of, and floating, of course, that fit into the toolkit of transformational wellness. So I think if, you know, it's, you're trying to turn an industry around or really pour the jet fuel on it, I think that um, bringing in a different mantra than just float center and it's more around, you know, wellness center, maybe transformational wellness center. That seems like I mean, to me, that feels more like not just a better business model, but it feels like what the world fucking needs. Like we need to figure mm-hmm. out how to transform our society in some way because we're heading off of a cliff.
1: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that 100%. Um, and, you know, when Floatlight first started my business, it was just a float center, right? I only had I actually started off with two tanks and then the third one I finished building, but I started off technically with three, three tanks, one facility. And that operated for a year or so a year, maybe a little bit over a year. And then I added the massage suite, but like, it was hard, you know, the first year just getting the thing off the ground. I had a lot of momentum from the community, but I mean, I guess looking back on it, like when you open a business, you're just like, you're there, right? Like, I don't have any employees. Like, I'm just there. Like, you exist in this state that's like, I'm either going to open the door and let people come into this place that I have a huge amount of, you know, my own personal sweat equity and money and other things into, and I owe back money on and just do it. And, and you know, you build through that process. And, you know, you really have to invent something that people see is unique and there's passion behind it. And so like I I I would it would be wrong of me to say that part of me and my my soul and my identity and personality hasn't become part of my business in the hallways, in the books, in the car, in the culture and the art and the philosophy is kind of an extension of me, but that was laying its foundation. And through the over the time, more and more people, whether it be the employees, the guides, the guests, they would add unique perspectives. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier, Christian, like the perspectives that they would add really come down to like, it would be really cool if you had this or from someone else's unique experience, I thought of a unique idea or the act of floating itself. And doing the whole visualization process and making sure that I do the best I can to get the information I've come up with in the tank onto, into the, into the real world, whether that be through, you know, writing it down. But typically speaking, when I float, I like tend to think of something and if it's really groundbreaking, I'll get out of the tank, I'll get changed or whatever. I'll just start working on the thing. (laughs) Like, I'll just not forget that that was what I'm thinking about. And so... What if I can you probably could probably be more efficient. What if but
0: you, yeah. yeah, we could be more efficient. This, is, and we're gonna fucking do it, dude. You're gonna start talking to an AI, and you're gonna start building while you're naked, laying in float water.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. gonna start building so, with
0: your mind. That's amazing. I, be, I,
1: I know. I love that. And and guess what? I just ordered right now. Guess what? I just ordered. What? I ordered the plod. Oh, did you? <laughs> you'll probably applaud. dot
0: You'll probably get yeah, it before just... me. I, I'm supposed to have mine weeks ago, and I can't fucking find the thing. Um oh I gotta my track God. it down. But, anyways, yeah, that's that's a good start. And for the record, the plot is just a, a little recording device that transcribes your audio by AI, AI transcripts and uh, just records shit for you. Yeah, it's just a little recorder, but powered by AI. I know. I'm so. It's already there. It. It's like the text already there. And in, in fact, it's cooler because. Now it's not something that's the float center owns. You just walk in with your own device. That's your you own your data. It's your fucking thing. You just set it on the side. Don't drop it in the water. That would be expensive. Set it on the side and hit and like it'll just pick up any audio as you float.
1: Totally, and and that's, dude. I'm all about it, bro. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm excited to get it. I- I know anything about it, but just by what you have personally said and your recommendation, I am trusting you that this thing is worth one hundred and fifty nine dollars. And I know you got a better deal than I. I,
0: I'm I'm laughing at this because (laughs) I haven't even used it, so don't trust me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that's OK. Recorded. I just, Look, I mean, the way you pitched it, though, it was like, oh, my God, the, I need this thing like it, oh, it like literally magnetizes to the back of your phone. I really need this. I have an iPhone and I'm all about the like the magnetization part yeah. of the iPhone. I love that. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm already infrastructurally set up for this. Yeah. I mean, then you could just <laughs> so, call somebody. I think it's going to be great.
0: You you don't have to be on some app. You can just call somebody on the phone and, it, and you can still transcribe the combo over the phone oh i know which is that's, that's... either extremely creepy or because you know now you're just tapping someone's phone right like they might the, other, the person but on the other does side it... doesn't know that you're recording how does it
1: do that though like if you're just listening to it on your ear you have to put it in a speakerphone mode right like...
0: I, I don't know i haven't used it yet but apparently not apparently it just clips onto the phone and it can gather enough audio to transcribe really i think so holy shit i could be wrong but yeah i don't think it has to be on
1: speaker well, okay well if that's true man like wow i just solved all the recording phone call problems even though like the system i've built personally for Floatlight does record audio but that's a whole nother rabbit hole
0: yeah so you could just put one on your on your team's phone and it would record all the calls i don't i don't know we should play with it it could be high i don't pump.
1: think that i, I think that the, that would be cool but for somebody that really needs a simple application, but the way that I built mine. Yeah, yours is super uh, automated. It's cool. Yeah, very automated. Okay, yeah.
0: well, man, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to stop this recording now. Yeah. Ciao, yeah, good. Ciao everyone. Good.